What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Official Visit, the podcast about college baseball recruiting by players for players. I'm Joe Jimenez, and I want to give a shout out to our guy Coop at Chin Music. Are you tired of all your bats looking the same these days? Looking for your bat in a big blue wall of meta primes can be exhausting. And that's why we love Chin Music fully customizable bat knob decals. Their decals are high quality and resistant to anything you throw at it. From dirt to sunflower seeds to the post-walk-off Gatorade shower. To shop pre-made designs or to create your own, visit www.chinmusic.store and use code OFFICIAL for 20% off your next order. That's www.chinmusic.store. Chin Music, your bat, your story. Today's episode, our fourth of five episodes for our coaching series, we have Clemson University head coach Monty Lee. Coach Lee has spent the last five years at Clemson and has led the Tigers to NCAA tournament appearances in his first four seasons. He's also had 29 draft picks since his start at Clemson five years ago, which is the 11th most in the nation in that five-year span. In this podcast, we go over what Coach Lee looks for in a player, early commitments, and the parents' role in the recruiting process. A phenomenal episode. We hope you guys enjoy it. So let's go. Monty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. Doing really well. Um, so we'll get right into it. First question, you know, how does a player even get on your radar? That's a, that's a good question, and, and, and it comes in, in many many, many different forms in recruiting. Um, I would say that just for me personally, um, I think relationships uh, trump everything uh, when it comes to the recruiting process. So I really value my relationships with high school coaches, travel ball coaches, scouts, um, former players who may be, uh, you know, training players now. I mean, it, it comes in many shapes, forms, and fashions, but I would say more than anything, um, I typically really trust uh, a select group of coaches that I have a track record with when it comes to recruiting guys in the past um, or scouts. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of how I work. I'm, I'm pretty simple, but I want to make sure that if I get a reference from a player on a player, that there is somebody who has seen this kid that I trust and value um, you know, their opinion on him uh, as a player. Uh, but I, I would say my main, my main uh, source would be uh, high school coaches, travel ball coaches, and scouts. Monty, that's interesting because that – because, I mean, you, so are you saying that you basically kind of recruit majority based off of the word of mouth about players, whether it be – now, is, is this from high school – coaches or travel ball coaches that you you have had kids come play in your program from or is there a past relationship personally with them like how how does that word of mouth kind of work for you then that's a good question so I, I would say it, it again it doesn't always happen this way it's not like there's right. certainly uh, I, I would say in a perfect storm for me it would be going out and evaluating a guy and a kid pops up, you see a kid play, or you hear about a kid from somebody, and you go watch him play, and you really like what you see. Whether it's a walk up to the field, 
I see this kid playing in a summer ball tournament or a high school game, and I'm like, man, I really like this guy. There's something that stands out about him that I really, really like. Now I'm going to call this guy who I know who either coaches this kid or has seen this kid play, and I'll start doing my homework. Um, so whether it's on the front end where a friend of mine or somebody I know or respect calls me about a kid and I go see him play or I identify a kid uh, and then I start to try to find, okay, who in my circle has seen this guy, knows this kid, and I start to do my homework. I think it's very, very valuable uh, to, to pick the brain of the high school coach because the high school coach has known this kid since he was in middle school, you know, has known him uh, coming up through his program and on the B team, on the JV team, on the varsity team. He knows what kind of kid he is in the weight room, what kind of kid he is in the classroom, what kind of kid he is in the community. He knows what kind of competitor he is. I think the intangible piece, the makeup piece, it's very, very important that you talk to the high school coach. Um, I certainly respect the travel ball coach's opinion, too, uh, because they're, they're going to coach this kid against high-level competition. Uh, so I, I, I try to take all the pieces of the puzzle. I like to talk to opposing coaches who have coached against this kid whether it's in high school or travel ball, and then also scouts. If I, if I know a scout in that area who has seen this kid, I love to hear the opinion of scouts uh, as well on players. So I'm the kind of guy that I will I, – I try to connect with as many different people as I know uh, when it comes to gaining an understanding of who this kid is, how good a player he is, um, you know, when it comes to trying to make decisions on players. Monty, it sounds like you really go into, like, the character of the recruit. I mean, meeting Kyle Wilkie here, and he's just a phenomenal human being, like, really nice, supportive, super welcoming when I first got here. That has to be the type of player that you're recruiting, and, and like, these, these connections that you have with these coaches are a huge way you see that, right? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, it's Kyle Wilkie, as an example, I'll walk you a little bit through the recruiting process for him. So Kyle was a young man that we began recruiting uh, the first summer that I got the job at Clemson. And Kyle played for a good friend of mine, Jamie Crane, uh, who's a travel ball coach. And, and Jamie immediately told us, hey, look, this guy is one of the best catch and throw guys in the state of Georgia. So you, you knew Jamie was a, it was a guy that has coached a lot of high-level players. So he has that track record of coaching high-level players. And he told me from the beginning, this guy is one of the best defensive catchers in the state of Georgia. Then Jamie told me the thing that really stood out to me that made us want to recruit him even harder. And Bradley LaCroix was the lead recruiter on, on Kyle. He knew about Kyle before I even got the job at Clemson. So he already had been talking to him. But Jamie told me some things about Kyle that really stood out. He said, number one, this kid's super, super tough. He's super, super tough. This guy, his, his level of play rises with the competition. Uh, he said he's a leader. This kid, this kid was a football player. He was a quarterback at his high school. So I knew as soon as I heard this is a multi-sport kid, 
He's got that toughness, that mental and physical toughness from football. He's had to make decisions in high-pressure situations being a quarterback in high school, uh, which is going to pay dividends for him as a catcher uh, in college. Uh, So Jamie's recommendation on the toughness side and then also that he had played football and played quarterback, you know, just told me that this is the type of guy from a makeup standpoint, from a character standpoint, from a toughness standpoint, that we're going to want in our program. And uh, that was one of the major reasons why Kyle uh, was the one catcher that we take per class. We only take one catcher per class. And he was the one that we selected, and he had a heck of a career for us here at Clemson. I, I love that you brought up the character of of players and recruits because that was something that I noticed both both in myself, but also once I kind of developed into like the leadership role on our team at Chapman was the young guys that come in that, like you said, either played quarterback for their high school football team or they were they were the runt of the team, but they were just a dirt bag and just grinded at bats or grinded out drills or whatever that is. But so from a coaching side and a recruiting side, other than the football tangibles or even like what you see on the field, like what, what characteristics are, do you want from, cause I mean, we talk about word of mouth again, but what, what do you want to be told or what are you looking for uh, about the character of a player that you know is going to transition well onto the baseball field? Well, there's a, there's a couple different things. I, I think that, we're not looking for the best players. We're looking for the right players. And there's a, and there's a difference. You know, I think, I think everybody out there from a recruiting standpoint is looking for the right players. It's, it's only one piece of the puzzle. When you start talking about the tools of the player, the skill set of the player, um, it's, it's easy to go out and watch kids and say, he's got bat speed. He's got foot speed. He's got arm strength. He's, you know, you can you can see that you can assess that. But how is he going to handle failure? How is he going to handle an 0 for 10? How is he how is he going to handle you coming to him and saying, hey, I know you're a shortstop, but we need you to play third base. We need you to play second base. I need you to go play the outfield for us. Those are those those selfless behaviors are very, very important. And those are things that you're going to want to know on the front end before you bring a player in. Is he going to be a selfless player or is he going to be a selfish player? And there's a big difference. Um, is how is What kind of body language does this young man have on the field of play when things are going good and when things are going bad? You know, does he show negative body language on the field of play or does he, does he really show a lot of mental toughness and he doesn't show – um, you know, the negativity when things aren't going well for him. And, and those are things that you want to ask coaches about. I look for body language. Body language screams. It never whispers. So that's a big, big part of the recruiting process for me is when I watch a young man play, how does he, how does he interact with his teammates? How does he handle his success? How does he handle his failure? Um, I want to know, is he a selfless player? Is he the kind of kid that's going to say, Coach, play me wherever you want to play me as long as I can help the team win? Those are the types of attributes that we're looking for a player outside of his tools. Is he mentally tough and is he selfless? 
Another big, another huge, huge attribute that we look for in a player, and I think it's probably the, the number one factor in the success of a player, is how self-motivated is he? Is this a young man that, <clears throat> that, that goes to the cage on his own, that trains in the weight room on his own, um, that just loves that loves to play and loves to train and doesn't necessarily have to have his own strength coach, his own speed and agility coach, his own hitting coach. He's going to go find a way to get better by himself. He doesn't need to have all the resources that are available to kids today to be successful. He's going to make himself successful. I like guys who are blue-collar self-motivated kids, self-built players, you know, guys that when they come in, they, they, they necessarily haven't had a ton of coaching, but they've coached themselves. They understand what works for them because that is a young man that when things don't go well for him, I can go to him and say, Hey, look, I know you're struggling a little bit at the plate. What do you think we need to do to try to help you get better? And they have an understanding of what they need to do because they built their swing. They built their delivery. Whereas if you have a kid who's always relied on a coach to help, to help them, a lot of times that kid's going to be lost when things don't go well. Well, you know, why am I not hitting? What's going on with my swing? What's going on with my delivery? Why am I not playing well? You know, and they're just completely lost because they've always had somebody tell them. I think that self-motivation and experimentation as a young player on your own pays dividends for you down the road. Those kids who are self-taught, self-built players, they're just a little bit tougher and they can navigate their way through the ups and the downs of the game much, much better um, than a kid who every opportunity he has to hit it's been with a hitting coach or every time he's thrown a bullpen it's been with a pitching coach you know there's the kids that just go out and play because they love to play not because they're just good at it I think those are the kids those are the types of kids that we're looking for I think a lot of kids in this day and age are overcoached and uh, there's a lot of great hitting and pitching coaches out there and strength and agility coaches out there. We have more information now than ever before, and there's a lot of great information out there. But I do think there is some value to a young man just picking up a glove and a ball and a bat and just going and playing catch and just hitting on his own and teaching himself what works for him. I think that's very, very valuable in the process, and um, that's what we're, you know, some of the things that I like to look for in a player. I absolutely love that. I mean, I think you just described like winners on and off the field. And I think that's what has made Clemson so successful since you've been there. Um, but Monty, I, now I have to ask about the culture. I mean, you talked about the self-motivated individuals um, and people who have goals for themselves and, you know, they're, they want to be in the starting lineup. Um but you also talk about the selflessness. How do you balance, you know, self-motivated individuals who want the best for themselves, but also like creating that teamwork aspect where they are selfless? That's a great question. I think that it's very, here's what I have found in my time as a coach. And I think you guys have probably seen this yourself. It's amazing how we know, we know the most about ourselves 
and we also know the most about what it takes to win as a team when our career is almost over. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at a player, when you look at an athlete, it's amazing how important winning is to the player um, when they're at the end of their career. And I think that we become more selfless as we mature and we start to understand what sports is really all about. I think we fight so hard early in our career to develop ourselves as a player and individually put ourselves in a position to be an everyday player and be successful. So one of the things that we stress to our guys in the clubhouse is, is kind of the reverse. It's listen, you have to have a veteran mindset as early as possible so that you can maximize your time here at Clemson. Yes, you freshmen are going to come in here and you're going to try to prove that you belong. You want to show everybody that you belong at this level. You want to com- you want to compete for the opportunity to start and play and you're trying to find that role, but you have to understand that you have to become a good player before you can become a starter. And you have to become a player that can help us win before you're going to win a starting job. And if you put the team first and you just understand that as a hitter, because I work with the hitters here, um, but as a, as a hitter, I just want you to have good at bats. I don't care what your batting average is. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many runs you score. I don't care about your, you know, your slugging percentage and your RBIs and all that. What I care about is your quality at bat number. How many good at-bats are you going to put together? If you're a quality at-bat machine, you're going to play for us because you're going to help us win. So you got to understand the value of being able to get a bunt down and move a runner and take your walk, take your hit by pitch. You know, you got to be able to fight with two strikes. Are you a guy when you get the two strikes, you can fight five pitches off? You know, are you that kind of guy? Are you a quality at-bat machine? Um can you play multiple positions on defense? Are you a selfless player, a veteran mindset that I'm going to do whatever I can to help our team win? If you understand that on the front end, how important being selfless is, you're going to fit right into our culture. If you're just really, really self-absorbed with yourself individually and your own individual statistics, and you're the guy that you're only happy after a game if you're two for four. Uh, and when you're 0 for four and your team wins, you're disappointed, you know, because we've all coached those kind of guys and been around those kind of guys. They're only happy when they've had a good day individually. That's the, that's the kind of culture we want to stay away from. Um, you know, we don't, want, we don't want to have guys in our lineup that are only going to be good for us if they have a good first at bat. And we've all seen those guys, too. You could tell what kind of day this player is going to have based on his first at bat. If he has a good at bat, he's going to have a great day. If he has a bad at bat, he's going to struggle that day because he can't deal with the individual side of the game. Just go help us win on defense. You can impact the game on defense. You can impact the game on the bases. You can impact the game in the dugout. You know, wherever your feet are, be great at it. That's a big that's a big deal to me is is just how do you carry yourself in all areas of the game? Do you have that veteran presence even as a freshman? That's one of the major things we look for. This guy's like a veteran and he's a freshman. 
Um, he cares more about winning and finding a way to help our team win, you know, than he does his own individual swing or his individual delivery or himself. Um, those are the things that, that I think are very, very important because culture is all about how selfless the, how selfless the locker room is. That's, that's, that's to me where culture really, um, I wouldn't say begins and ends. There's many facets to it, but I think that's the biggest piece and having a great culture is how selfless the individuals are in that life. I, I 100% agree with that. And it, it seems like if you, if you take a step back and you, and you look around at what, whatever, insert whatever college program you want that has had success, I think that's kind of been the building blocks, you know, is just whether, whether you can have a selfless team who, who literally only cares about winning and the, the individual accolades obviously come when you have a great team, but it's more about if you have one more run than your opponent after nine innings. And it's, but, but along with that, you, you talked about, you want, you basically want veterans the first day they step onto campus. How, like, how do you go about that with your freshmen? I mean, how, how many freshmen do you, I mean, on average have playing for you come opening day or, or is it kind of that you want them to come in? They're going to learn from the guys above them to know how to really do it, but it's not going to take as long as it normally would because they're already ready to go. Well, I think it's my job. It it is my job to get the freshmen ready to play. That's the way I look at it. I, I don't, I'm not a very patient guy when it comes to, um, when it comes to development and I'll explain what I mean by that. Like I, I don't, I don't tiptoe and stick my toe in the, in the pool and see how cold it is before I push them in there. You know what I mean? Like from day one, from day one, it's like, we're not going to ease you into this program. Like you're going to, you're going to be fully engrossed in everything we do as a freshman. You're not going to be treated any differently than a veteran when it comes to how hard we coach you and how hard we push you. In fact, as you get, you know, as you get older, it gets harder. You know, we're going to hold, we're, 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 we're going to be harder on you guys as you get older because the expectations are even higher as you get older. A lot of times I feel like, and I've been guilty of this, like you, you get more frustrated with the younger guys because they just simply can't, they can't do what the older guys can do. They're not as comfortable in the environment yet. To me, I think it, I think you put more uh, you put more expectations on your older players. I think the younger guys, I, my expectations for the young guys is very, very simple. We're going to do everything at game speed. There's a high expectations on the academic side. We've been a thousand APR school for four consecutive years. So there's an expectation that you're going to go to class, you're going to be on time, you're going to do a great job academically. We're going to kill it in the weight room. You're going to be a good citizen in a community. And when you come to the field, we're going to train you incredibly hard and develop you into the best player that we can. And that doesn't get any easier as you get older. The expectations continue to rise as you get older. But my expectations for the freshmen, the only difference really between the freshmen and the older guys is I want the freshmen. I heard this years ago, and I think it's so true. I think when you hire somebody or you bring somebody in early in their career, whether it's in the workforce or a freshman on a baseball field, 
I want you to work so hard and play so hard that you fail a lot. You make a lot of mistakes because that's how you learn and grow. Like if you're not making a lot of mistakes when you get a job, as, as it, it, like when you get that first job and you're at a school for the first time as a coach, like if you're not making a lot of mistakes, you're not working very hard. You're not trying a lot of new things, right? You know, I, I, and I, I look at that, I, I coach that way. I'll try something, a new strategy, a new way of doing something. I'll try it to see what I think about it. And then I'll determine if I think it works or not. I want our players to be the same way. I want our players to have no fear whatsoever of failing in anything we do because that's those are all learning moments and, and, and opportunities for them to grow. So we tell the freshmen, we want you to practice like your hair is on fire, and I want you to fail a lot because that, that's going to help the older guys and myself and our coaches and uh, coaching you and developing you and I think it's very valuable for the older guys in your program. There's an expectation for them to help the younger guys develop and grow too. They coach, they coach the younger guys as well. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of how we do things when it comes to developing uh, the right kind of. Uh, And I think what you just said was huge for, for everyone listening. If you need to go back and listen to that, because this is this is a coach who has developed countless players to go on and move on at the next level and basically told you to work as hard as you can and fail early on because it's the best teaching practice and I 100% agree with that that early on failure is the best motivator and it's the best teacher but what what does that look like? Because you talk about it's it's your job to get the freshmen ready to play or up to the standard to be able to play. Right. I mean, is that is that doing more one on one time outside of practice? Is that kind of slowing things down mm-hmm. in a practice setting? I mean, what, what a, a little bit mm-hmm. more? What does that really look like when you say you're getting them ready? For yeah. That? Well, the first thing I do not slow it down in a practice setting. Like they're there again, we're going to push them in the deep end of the pool from the very beginning. Like they're, they're going to hit off the hack attack at 90 miles an hour, just like the older guys do. Like we don't, they're, we're going to throw them right into the deep end of the pool. Cause they're going to have to, I want them to have some sort of sense of being a little bit overwhelmed in the beginning to understand the magnitude of where they're at. And what I'm looking for is, can he handle this? You know, when, when, when we throw him into the fire, can he handle this? And you'll see the guys that can, right? And, and, and I think that's the first thing is they have to be – you have to turn the heat up on the first-year guys early on in the weight room and on the field of play. You know, we want their – you don't develop calluses on your hand unless, you're, and, and, unless you do a lot of heavy work, right? And, and that's just the way it is. got to swing the bat a lot. You got to lift a lot of weights. You got to run the bases. You know, you got to leave the field physically and mentally tired if you want to develop. And I think there's just as much a mental callus as there is a physical callus on your hands. And we talk about the mental callus of our program, of throwing as much as we can at them to help them when it comes to developing. We want to speed the game up on them so that they can slow the game down later. I think that's very, very important when it comes to in the cages. Okay, You talk about working with guys one on one. We absolutely work with a one on one. But what I think works even better is there's an expectation. We have open cages. 
where coaches cannot come into the cage by NCAA rule. Okay. We're allowed 20 hours a week with our guys, but we have managers that can feed the machines and flip to our guys. And that's in our open cage time. So like an hour before practice, we have open cage time where managers will go down and I'm blessed to have several really, really good managers. Um, and they'll go down there and flip to the guys and they'll feed the machines to them. And there's an expectation from our older guys that they've set that, hey, we're going to be in the cages an hour before stretch. If you're out of class, you need to be in the cages. They set that culture of early work and work with our younger guys when it comes to developing their routine. We show them the drills that we want them to do in the cages. And then I tell the older guys, it's my expectation for you to take these guys under your wing and work with them. And what you find when you do that is you find the accountability for the older guys goes way up because now they're teaching these younger guys what they've been taught. You talk about taking ownership and development. That's the best way to develop players is when you have to teach it yourself as a player. Um, and I think here's another thing that I think too, is I think when it comes to coaching, you've got to have a lot of tools in your tool belt, right? And you've got to work hard before you learn how to work smart. And I think our older guys, we've given them all those tools and then they start to narrow that tools, those tools down to the two or three that they really know how to use well. And that's kind of like developing a player. We show them a lot of drills, a lot of things to work on, and then they start to narrow that focus down as they start to find what works for them and their routine. I think you learn how to work smart as an older player because you work hard as a younger player. Instead of my veteran doing five different hitting drills in his open cage time, he may only do two because he's done the other five and figured out what really works for him individually. And he can explain the why behind that to the freshmen who are in the cages working with them. And then our older guys basically kind of hold the younger guys accountable when it comes to, Hey man, you haven't been in the cage in two days. Like there's a, there's a culture here that we show up early and we work early together without the coaches in here. And I think that's part of that self-motivation that I was talking about earlier uh, when it comes to the best players that I've been around are the ones that are the most self-motivated. They're constantly in the cages. They're constantly at the field. They love being there. They, their love for the game overrides their talent for the game. I think that's what makes a player a good player into a great player, an average player into a good mm -hmm. player, is that self-motivation. Monty, I think you just made me think about this this idea that, you know, you have to earn respect from your coaches, but you also have to earn respect from, from the other teammates you have. You know, like you, you want to make sure that the other guys know that, you know, you've been putting in the work um, and you're ready for any opportunity that, that comes with it. That's just part of a winning team. Um, and I absolutely love that. But I, I do want to go back a little bit to the recruiting aspect. Um, and, you know, Early college commitments have been, I swear they've just been getting earlier and earlier, but how do you balance, um, I guess, recruiting guys too early who have physically matured at a very young age um, versus the guys who maybe not, maybe haven't um, developed fully physically yet, but you see the potential there just in the, in the way they play. 
Um, how do you really, how do you balance that? <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's a great question. And I think it's one of those things that all of us coaches, we love to, we love to use the crystal ball analogy, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't have one. We, we don't have a crystal ball. Um, it's very, very difficult to look at a young man uh, and be able to tell and be able to project on what he's going to be three, four, five, six years down the road. I think that the only way that you get better at that is through ex- experience, but there is no exact science uh, to it. Uh, you know, the early recruiting, early recruiting is, is tough. We're, we, we, all, we all do it uh, because we have to, because if school A and B are doing it and C is not, then school C may not get that mm-hmm. player. Uh, so it's a very tough thing to manage. Um, but I, I think that kids today, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, you know, I've had plenty of, of conversations with young kids, you know, who are, you know, freshmen, sophomore, juniors in high school. And, you know, when you hear a young man say, you know, I really would like the opportunity to come meet the coaches and shake and shake the coach's hands and spend face to face time with them before I make a decision on school. Um, I think that's a wise decision. I do. I think it's a wise decision. And 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 I think I wish that more kids did that. Um, and I and I also think it's very important for kids to understand this, that recruiting Recruiting and making a commitment should not be determined by anybody's timing but yours. You know, this is your time as a as a as a young man or 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 a young female who's getting recruited. This is your time. It the timing of when you make the decision is is you and your family. Uh, it's not. It should never be dictated by a coaching staff. A coaching staff should never dictate when a kid needs to make a decision on a school. I think that's wrong, but I think a kid should be able to make the decision when he and his family are ready. A family should never make a decision based on pressure. They should make a decision based on excitement. And I think there's a big difference. And there's too many kids today and too many families that are making decisions where they feel pressured to make a decision. And I think that's completely wrong. And that's how I feel about it. I mean, it, 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 I don't know if I answered your question on how you navigate through it, but I, I think that kids should be making educated decisions based on excitement and not uneducated decisions based on pressure, that they feel like they have to do it because everybody else is doing it or they may lose an opportunity if they don't. I think that's absolutely wrong. Uh, so, um you know, I, it's a tough thing to navigate, though. I can tell you that we're constantly on the phone uh, talking to kids and, and recruiting kids. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think it, it, if, if, if kids would take their time, I think I think everybody involved uh, would be able to make better decisions. And I don't think Monty, I think that would disagree that's with that. the best way I've ever heard that put. And. And, and I, I 100% agree, but, but let, me, let me ask you this, because I, I also think there's some give and take um, with what you just said regarding um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a family decision, it's a player decision, but also, I mean, from a coaching mm-hmm. standpoint, 
how involved like if if a parent's player I'm sorry, if a player's parents are too involved in the recruiting process, is that like a signal to you that maybe this player isn't as independent as he can be to come into my program and and be able to be his own man and his own player? That's a great that's a great question. And here's what I would tell you. I think it's <clears throat> I think that when I come across a family who the mother and the father are incredibly involved in the son's uh, academics and also what type of young man he is. I, I, lo- I, I, I love the opportunity to, you know, when we were able to do it and feel like it's been forever <laughs> since I've been able to do it, actually have a kid on a visit um, because of the dead period. I love to watch a young man interact with his parents. Um, because nobody is more important in a young man's life when he's in high school uh, than his parents. And how he interacts with his mother and his father shares a lot with me. If a kid's disrespectful to his parents, it is a huge red flag for me. Um, It's a red flag because he doesn't respect discipline, and he doesn't respect authority, and he doesn't truly, truly treat the people – who do an awful lot for him and have done more for him than anybody. He does, if he doesn't treat them the right way, I, I'm going to have a hard time with that. So I look a lot at how the young man treats his mom and dad. Um, and I also love to see on a visit how much the parents interact versus the son. When questions are asked, like if, as a coach, if I ask the family a question, I want the young man to speak. <laughs> I don't want the dad, I don't want the dad to answer for him and the mom to answer for him. You would be surprised how many times I get on a phone call, uh, a kid calls me and he's got me on speakerphone <laughs> and I can hear his dad whispering in the background. It happens, it happens a lot, and to me, it's just a red flag. It's that's that is a parent that is going through the pro is enjoying the recruiting process just as much as the kid is. And it's not about the parents mm-hmm. at that point. It's about the young man. Uh, so I want, I want the young man to ask the questions and to communicate on his own on the visit. Um, but I want the parents, but I want the young man to also show his parents the respect that they deserve because that's, that's very important to me in assessing his character uh, and his integrity, but I also cringe. I cringe if I if I speak with a family, and I hear the mother and the father tell me that it's their son's decision. Because because it's not just their son's decision; it is a family decision. Mom and mom and dad need to have a mm-hmm. say so in this process. They're the ones that are going to be paying for a good portion of his education if he's a baseball mm-hmm. recruit. So uh, I think it's very important that the parents are involved in this decision because when I hear that, it's like, well, man, you know, it, it, this is truly a family decision. If I, if I ever needed serious advice at 16, 17, 18 years old, who do you think I'm going to call? I'm going to call my mother and my father, even at 40, you know, I'm 43 years old. If I need advice right now, I'm calling Mm -hmm. my mom and my dad, right? Because they have wisdom. 
um, I'm not going to make a decision that's very, very important without running it by my parents. They're going to give me the best advice that anybody can give me. And why a parent would say, well, this is completely up to my son if this is what he wants to do. Uh, to me, I'm like, man, I would never make a decision <laughs> without my parents' influence. So I think, I, look, you know, we, we obviously want to talk about this as a family and, and we'll get back to you. I think that's important. Or we need to discuss this while we're on the visit. And, uh, you know, we may be able to make a decision while on campus, but we need to talk about this as a family before we do so. I think that's important. So, oh, 100 100 uh, percent. And because we, we have a that. lot of parents that also listen to this because they might be going through their first recruiting process and they're just kind of lost and they don't know what the what the right way is to communicate with coaches and. I mean, that was that was something that I truly valued in my recruiting right. process was, I mean, it was the first time my family had gone through something like that. And my my dad's involvement with with helping out, mm -hmm. obviously, a little bit, but also letting me interact with coaches, but then making a family decision. So I think I think you hit it, hit it right on the head. Mm -hmm. But Monty, this was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for for hopping on here with us this was a uh, this was an awesome interview uh it's always it's always an honor to uh have the the elite programs in in college baseball on on this podcast and we can't thank you enough for coming on well great well i really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, if i can ever ever assist you again in the future just let me know thank but you. uh but thanks again for what you do and i appreciate you having me on what's up guys welcome back i i hope you enjoyed that interview with coach monty lee from clemson i mean it was it's not every day that you get to sit down with one of the top elite college programs uh head coaches but also you got to hear stuff that's applicable to every single player at every single level and it's stuff that you can implement right now as a player going through the recruiting process or even you parents listening to this you can tell your son about or even you can implement we talked about the the stuff that parents can do and it was just a great episode chock full of a bunch of bunch of good information so i hope you guys enjoyed it thank you for listening if you want to leave us a, a a review or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd really, really appreciate it. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, check out our website at officialvisitpod.com where you can see all of our other episodes. If, if you don't have time to listen to all of our episodes, check out our our quote section of the website. And until next time, guys, we'll see you in the next episode.